Oh yeah, welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Uh, I'm excited today. Uh, Just to give you a a dabble, a dose, uh, a dalliance of where I'm at, where my mindset is, how I'm feeling. I woke up, trained clients all morning from 6 a.m. to almost noon, and then took a nap, and then got up, took a shower, and then I put the same clothes back on. (laughs) You ever do that? Put the same clothes back on after you just showered, even though they're not clean clothes? But you're like, "They're, they're clean enough. And I want you to know, that you are enough. You are. And I'm so glad you're here today joining me, listening to me. Uh, we're, we're approaching a million downloads, and that's because of you. So I really appreciate it. Uh, let's take a moment to exhale. Uh, Yeah, I like that. Let's do it one more time. Oh, yeah, that feels good. That feels good. Uh, I'm excited about today's episode. We have a a few topics I want to cover. One is uh, CPR for mental health. They call it QPR. QPR. Yeah, uh, I forget what QPR stands for. Actually, it's question, persuade, and uh, refer. And we'll get into how to use QPR instead of CPR for someone who may be experiencing suicidal ideation. Or you may need to use the QPR on yourself. Uh, So we're going to talk about QPR. We're also going to talk about uh, (laughs) why do people leave? Why do people leave companies? Why do they leave relationships? And this ties so immensely into mental health, and it it ties into suicidality. And uh, I'm excited to to get into that. And then we're going to talk about... uh, how to deal with overwhelm. If you feel like you're drowning, we're going to talk a little bit about drowning. So we're going to, we're going to cover a few things. It's all, but we know we're always talking about mental health, always about teaching you how to thrive, how to keep you going, how to give you purpose and meaning. Um, and so let's get started with the, uh, the QPR instead of CPR. And, and by the way, if you're in so much pain, right now, please call the 1-800-SUICIDE. Call the number. Call the 1-800-273-TALK or any of the numbers listed in the show notes. Stop this podcast. Pause it. Cut it off. And go take care of yourself. For the rest of you still tuning in, uh, let's talk about this QPR, CPR. So, QPR, like I said, stands for 
question, persuade, refer. Okay. And this is for someone who may be experiencing suicidal ideation. A lot of stats have shown that uh, suicides have dropped during the pandemic. 2020, we saw a dip. Were there areas in the world, were there certain demographics where there may have been spikes? Of course, there will always be outliers. Uh, but overall, we rallied together. We came together. We, we found a purpose, a meaning. Um, I, I, I mean, nobody can explain it. Um, but I'm, we, all we can do is be grateful that more of us have stayed. So QPR, someone you feel like is on the verge of wanting to end their life. You want to question them. And the, and the question will be as direct as, are you thinking about killing yourself? And the reason you want to be direct and you don't want to say, are you thinking about harming yourself or hurting yourself? No, no, no. Are you thinking about killing yourself? Because harm and hurt, it's, there's too many scales. It's, it's too much of a, uh, a gradient there. It's, it's too much of a spectrum of what harm is and what hurt is. It's, it's so different from person to person. So we want to be specific. Are you thinking about killing yourself, right? And a lot of times we're afraid to ask that question because we don't want to feel like we've planted the seed. But it, it, that's not what happens. Either they're going to say no um, or they're going to say yes. And if they say yes, it's not because you asked them that question that was that was a tree that was already growing, right? And so you're just making sure you're you're seeing the right tree. It's like when you're walking down a sidewalk and you see flowers and plants, and you ask someone, "Hey, is is are those petunias?" The petunia doesn't become a petunia because you asked if it was a petunia. It's always it was already there. So, um, ask. Be, Ask that question directly. Are you thinking about killing yourself, right? And one of the things, if they say no and they feel a bit, um, but you still feel like they're, they're upset and they're angry, um, what, one of the follow-up questions I like to ask, and this is if they said no, right? Um, then you can go into the are you thinking about hurting yourself, harming yourself kind of deal. And then I also like to ask people, what's stopping you from screaming into a pillow? Now, this is not a part of the QPR, but this, like I said, this is for people who respond no, but they're still upset about something. And they, they just can't seem to go from a 10 to a 7 to a 5 to a 3 to a 1. And I asked this of uh, a friend of mine the other day who was upset. And I said, you know, what's stopping you from screaming into a pillow? And what's fascinating, what I love about that question is that it allows them to pause. They actually have to stop and think. They actually reflect. 
It buys you time. You can see them literally go from a 10 to a 9, from a 9 to a 7, 7 to a 5. What's stopping you from screaming into a pillow? And then what they'll also start to do then is generate the resources that they have. Well, I'm not screaming into a pillow, you know, because I'm thinking about my son. I'm thinking about my friend. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about uh, the, the work that I have to do or the projects I have to get done or the people that depend on me or, you know, they just they start rattling off this list of anchors, of resources, of things that's uh, feeding their resilience. So I love that question. Um, in some cases, you know, I read The Choice by Edith Egger, Dr. Edith Egger. Uh, I believe I'm pronouncing her last name correctly. She's a survivor of concentration camps. Uh, and she had a client who came in and was talking about uh, ending their life. And she asked, why not yesterday? And I love that question because it, it, it allows for them to, to get into that prefrontal cortex and, and think about the moment and about yesterday and about what anchored them to yesterday. And, and then it gives you an idea of what their anchors are, what their values are, what, what keeps them going. And it's a great question to ask yourself. Why not, why, why not yesterday? Why not five minutes ago? Why'd you, why'd you drive all the way down here? And why not 10 minutes ago? So it, it buys space. It allows a person to, to get out of that limbic system, that fight, flight, freeze. It allows them to Forget about that pain for a second because they start to pull on all the all their resources and the things that they care about and what they love and what's nurturing them. And you could also ask, why not a week from now? Why not five days from now? And and then they have to start thinking, you know, why not five days from now? Why at this very moment? So the, the first part of QPR, I just want to make it clear that the question is, are you thinking about killing yourself? That's the first question. And then if the answer is yes, then we go into the P part, which is persuade. And in a persuasion part, you want to ask, will you go with me to get you help? Will you, will you be my accomplice? In getting you help? Will you assist me in getting you help? Because you don't want to feel like you're the only one getting help. And you don't want to feel like you're doing it behind their back and you don't want to damage the friendship. So you want to get their buy-in. And, and when we get their, their, their consent on getting help, it makes the help that much more efficacious, much more effective and it's something that will stick and they'll enjoy and it's collaborative and a lot of times you know when we're in pain 
it, the pain doesn't hurt as much as the feeling like we're the only one in pain. We're the only one that have to go through this. You know, I, I walked by a, a military base the other day, and they, they in the back of the base, you could see uh, where they train the, uh, you know, the, the soldiers and, and where they work out. And you can see, like, the, the massive tires they got to flip and um, the, the monkey bars and the battle ropes and all the stuff, you know, the kettlebells. And, and I was thinking, like, why would someone go through all that? And it's because they're doing it as a group, as a platoon, as an infantry, as a squad as a family, as a brotherhood. That's what allows you to push through. So in, a, in, a, in the P part, in the persuade, it's, you know, will you assist me? Will you help me in this? And then when we get to the, the R, and if they say no, I, I won't help you. I'll be like, well, that's fine. Can I, and then say, can I just sit here with you? Is it okay if I just, and we don't have to talk, can I just be here with you? Right? And, and then you can, you can start it all over. If you get from Q to P and you get the resistance at P, or if they say no to, to getting help, then you sit there with them. And you wait five, ten minutes, and then you start the QPR all over again. You go, hey, are you thinking about killing yourself? Now, if this time they say no, then you don't have to get to the P. But, it, it, you know, it's just like CPR, there is a, a, a set number of compressions that you do to revive somebody. And I forget what it is. And as I'm doing this, I'm like, oh, that would have been great to have known what it is. But, yeah, when you are re reviving someone, uh, you know, whether it's a heart attack and you're doing the CPR and the chest compressions, then you, you start it over. There's a set number of, of presses, and then you wait, and there's, you blow into the airway uh, so many times. And then you wait, and then you start it all over again until you see signs of life. So we would go from Q to P. If we get no at P, then we start back over at Q after we sat with them for a little bit. Now the R is referring them to a healthcare professional. Right? Now, now you, you've done your part as a friend. And you refer to a healthcare professional, whether that's a school counselor, a, a priest, a, a doctor, a hospital, a therapist, whatever is at your disposal. Refer to a healthcare professional, whether that's 1 800 SUICIDE. Say, hey, you know, here's a number you can call. I can sit here with you. I can make the phone call for you. Would you be open to that? And 
I encourage you also to do this, do the, this, these for yourself. If you're thinking about killing yourself, ending your life, then bring that up to your to a healthcare professional. Even if it's after, you can always call one eight hundred S U I C C I D after that that sandstorm has gone through, and say, you know, just call. You know what? Two hours ago, I was thinking about ending my life. I I feel a lot better now, but I just I want to process it, and I'm not. And I think I've processed it, but I'm not sure. And is there anything I can do next time, or you know, it's it's and. And they can even refer you to another therapist or, or a healthcare provider. And I know money is tight for a lot of people. You don't have to go to a million sessions. Go go to one, just book a session. Just booking, just booking a session with a therapist will just give you so much more life. Will just give you so much more of a feeling of autonomy of agency, of taking action, of taking responsibility for how you feel and where your life is right now. Just booking the session. You're going you're gonna to be clicking the heels and ready to go. So that's QPR. You can always Google that to, to check it out because... You know, we are responsible, response-able, response-able to our lives. And nothing is a bigger indicator of that than the story I read in the New York Times about uh, Sue Min. Yes, yeah, Sue Min. Uh, the title of this is, I'm not going to, obviously I'm not going to read the article, but uh, she's on a solo road trip across China to find herself. And they call her auntie. And she, she has like 1.5 million followers uh, on social media. She's a 56-year-old retiree from Henan province in central China. And she has never been happier than she is right now. Quote, she says, I've been a wife, a mother, and a grandmother. I came out of this time to find myself. After fulfilling her family's expectation of dutiful Chinese womanhood, she's embracing her new identity. Now she's a fearless road tripper and internet uh, sensation. For six months, she has been on a solo drive across China, documenting her journey for the 1.35 million followers. Uh, And you go, why? Why is she doing this? Why is she on a road trip? The thing is, the, the reason why people are so enamored with Sue Min, S-U-M-I-N, uh, is the intimate relations, uh, revelation she has about her abusive marriage, her dissatisfaction with domestic life, and newfound freedom. She's blunt. She's vulnerable. She's a former factory worker with a high school education And she just got in her car one day. Of course, her husband wasn't happy about this and was like, I'm just going to go find myself. And she is six months into this road trip across China. 
And her, her popularity is due to the collision of two major forces in Chinese society, the rapid spread of the internet and the nourishing or flourishing awareness of gender equality in a country where traditional gender roles are still deeply rooted, especially among older generations. Right now, you may find yourself in a situation where you feel like you're forced to conform to gender stereotypes as a husband or a wife, as a mother or a father. We, we have such high expectations placed on us either by ourselves, by society, by our family, by media, and we get to a place, in her, in her case it was at the age of 56, where she was like, I'm not here for that. That's not who I am. It's not what I want. And I, I, she felt like she was dying inside. You know? And, and she never considered leaving. She was worried about a social stigma that is so pervasive in China about, you know, a, about divorce and breaking up. But she made up her mind. She bought a, a, a white Volkswagen hatchback and... She got in the car and she took off. She felt oppressed. She, she felt oppressed by her housework and her husband. If you're in a situation where you feel oppressed, right, it, it's not about packing up and going right now, but slowly saving the same way that Sue Min did. She saved little bit by little. I almost said slaved, but she, she, I'm sure she felt like a slave as a housewife especially for her to pack up everything, throw it in a Volkswagen, and just start driving at 56 years old and, and basically living out her car, choosing to live out her car when she has a home. But, it's, but the home life was too upsetting for her. I have a friend who just divorced because her husband wanted her to be domestic, to stay home, stay in the kitchen, cook meals, clean a house, raise the two kids, and she wasn't about that life. So she sat down, looked him straight in the eye, and was like, are you ever going to be comfortable with me working and being out there? And he said no. And so they got a divorce. And, it, you know, it wasn't, a, it wasn't an immediate thing. They went to therapy. They had talks. She tried to stay home. She quit her job. And she said to me that she felt like every day she was losing a piece of her soul. If you're losing, if you feel like you're losing a piece of your soul, start planning. Start planning it to get whatever your, your version of, a, of the white Volkswagen is. Of planning your uh, I don't want to say your escape, but your embracing of a freedom, of life, of uncertainty, of curiosity, of expansion, of experiences. Start planning for that. Wherever the road is going to take you, um, you know, Sue Min talks about how 
It took her so many years to realize that she had to live for herself. And I think that that sounds selfish to so many people. Live for yourself. But it's, it's, it allows you to nourish and enrich the environment around you and the people around you, right? It's something, she says, it's something I'm waking up to, not something that I just am, right? And, and ironically, she doesn't even want a divorce, you know, because she's worried about her daughter feeling obliged to take uh, care for him if she left. So, you know, she's on the road. And, and she, says, now that, she says, now that I finally come out, now that I want to leave behind that life, I need time to let it melt away. There are many things that, as time passes, may have an outcome you never imagined. I love that. There are many things that may have an outcome that you never imagined. Because right now, a lot of what's keeping us in our situations is we're, we're imagining the worst scenario. Yeah, I mean, nobody in there right, quote-unquote, right mind would encourage a 56-year-old woman to get a Volkswagen and drive across China for three years because that's how long it's going to take her to, to, to see all the things and experience all the things that she wants uh, according to her. No one would say that, but she's, she's left the door open of curiosity, of uncertainty, and she's willing to embrace it. And so just start chipping away. You know, write down an idea, a plan. If something bothers you, if you feel oppressed, if you feel oppressed, how you have to, you have to make a move, right? Um, also, what I love about that is, you know, because so many of us are in marriages, we're in relationships, and and maybe you're on the brink of divorce or you're on the brink of a breakup, and it maybe you're like, I, I don't, I don't really understand what's happening here. Why is why is there uh, such turmoil? Why does she want to leave or he want to leave or why do I want to leave? And sometimes we don't get to the source of it. I have a friend who works for a major food company and her job is retention. How do they keep their employees? Not how do they keep um, uh, the, 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 the clients, uh, you know, the, us, the buyers, but how do they keep the employees? There's a high turnover rate and a lot of factory work. And she said, it requires two things to retain an employee. Uh, one is a promotion, and the second is uh, a feeling of engagement, that, that, that they have a voice in the company, that they can make an impact, that, that they will be heard. Okay, And sometimes that's uh, feeling like you have your own voice or feeling like someone is at least speaking up for you through you know, like your manager or uh, a union rep. And I bring that up to say that if you're, if you're in pain, if you, you want to leave this earth 
or you want to leave your company or you want to leave your relationship, ask yourself, how can I promote myself? You know, uh, Michelle and I have been been together for uh, a year and a half. And uh, according to my friend, like every two years, people want to be promoted. They want to move up. And in some companies, you you know, it's it's impossible to promote everybody at the same time. There's only, you know, the the positions get narrower as you uh, start to climb. And so you start to see people leave for more um, latitude. And so it's it's like you want to go from, uh, you know, she she wants to go from girlfriend to fiance and then to wife and then to mother and then to grandmother and, you know, uh, you know, just promote it, promote. We want to feel like we're moving up. And we also want to feel like we have a voice that if I make a suggestion, whether it's for dinner or for a movie or where we're going to live or how to raise the kids, that it's at least considered. It's not shut down. That it's that we're having uh, uh, a discussion and we're um, we're not being uh, delegated or dictated to. We're actually engaged in the decisions of the household, the decisions of the future of the both of us, of the company, of our lives. So when you look at your life, ask yourself, is there, is there, do I feel like I, I want to be promoted, like I'm stuck? And how do I do that? Because sometimes we have to promote ourselves. And that's why, you know, people become CEOs, or entrepreneurs and things like that, because they're just like... I, the things that I'm interested in won't allow me to move as high up as I feel I want to be. Or do I want to, do I need to feel like I have more of an engagement, more of an influence? And, you know, we've had uh, a number of episodes talking about how to have influence in your relationship, how to have influence with friends, how to have influence uh, at work and in general. And there's uh, so many great books uh, Never Split the Difference is one of them. Uh, it's like, uh, there's a book called Influence. There's one called uh, Pseudo Para. I think, oh, there's one called Pre uh, Presuasion. There's one called Influence. There's one called Presuasion. There's another one called Never Split the Difference. But it's a skill. The ability to influence someone, to be able to talk to someone, to be able to negotiate, to have an impact, it's a skill. It's not something that's just there. It should be, right? It, we, we feel like if you, if you love me and I love you and we care about each other, then uh, my ideas and my thoughts, all that should be taking, should taken into consideration. And, and that's true. However, some of us uh, are not good at uh, effective communication. Sometimes we communicate in a way that uh, where the other person feels defensive or attacked or upset or angry. And if we don't have vocabulary on how to de-escalate things, it can, it can blow up and then there's no negotiation. So knowing how to effectively communicate through talk, through text, through so many things. There, the other day I wanted to post something on social media and I sent it to like 10 of my friends first. Because I was like, I'm not sure if I'm communicating this correctly. 
And then they all gave me feedback, and I decided to go a completely different direction with the post. So we need help. We need help with that, whether you know you, you get a coach or a life coach or someone. But to have effective communication, those are the two things that uh, keep us tethered to earth, to life, that makes us want to thrive. I was going to go somewhere else with that, and I completely lost my train of thought. Oh, so so please, uh, you know, take that time to figure out if you want to be promoted uh, in life with work. A lot of times when people talk about uh, not finding meaning or purpose, really they're talking about, I, I just haven't found a promotion feel stuck. There's nowhere else. I've learned everything. There's, I'm bored. I'm ready to, <laughs> I'm ready for something else, a new challenge. And, and so that's fair. So it's good to be aware of that. Uh, and lastly, to, to oh, that's what I want to, that's, that was the, the reason I, I paused, is the reason why I talked about how communication, effective communication is a skill. Something that we have to practice, that, that we should learn. Some people naturally have the gift of gab, and we know those people. They can sell water to a whale, but a lot of us have to learn it. And so I bring that up to say that the arguments that we have with other people and ourselves and the pain that we're in, sometimes our, our, our inability or uh, our, our lack of the ability to effectively communicate then makes it hard for us to, t- to talk ourselves and navigate through our, our sandstorms or, as I like to call them, uh, rip currents, right? I was at the beach the other day, and I saw people building sandcastles, and uh, a siren went off, and I thought like it was a lifeguard siren, like uh, somebody drowned. And then I came home, and I Googled drownings, and... Um, 320,000 people die every year from drowning, uh, give or take a few, you know, 10,000, I'm sure. But about that, on average, 320,000. And I said, and so then I Googled why. Why do most people end up drowning? Like some people are drowning in debt. Some people are drowning in work. Some people are drowning in relationships or conversations. Some of us are drowning in pain, pain, chronic pain, emotional pain, physical pain. And I said, okay, what's the number one reason people drown? The number one reason is lack of ability to swim. The lack of ability to swim. So I point that out to say a lot of people who won't get in the water know how to swim. I have friends who can swim, but they won't. They will not get in the ocean. They won't. They won't get in the lakes or anything like that. And I asked them why, and they said, "You know, there's sharks out there. Uh, the waves are so large, and that's not what kills most people. Sharks aren't killing. If if sharks were killing as many people as people thought they were killing, no one would get in the water. And those large waves." 
most people are not drowning uh, because a 10-foot tsunami, 10-foot, that wouldn't even be a tsunami, but a 10-foot wave uh, took them out. They're drowning because they got in the water and didn't know how to swim. I went rock climbing once or uh, cliff jumping once. I don't know how to swim. I, I, I went up there, <laughs> but I figured out that I could jump, make it to the surface, and get back to shore uh, with, a, with the abilities that I have based off the depth of the water. Like I, I can, you know, be, because I've, uh, I'm active enough to suss out some situations where I go, oh, I think I could survive that. Now, was it smart? No, it wasn't the smartest thing to do. But I did it, and I survived it. However, someone else there, at the uh, it, was, it was a large group of people who were uh, uh, cliff jumping, and this girl jumps, hits the water, and then surfaces gasping, for air, she's flailing her arms, just, and she's not yelling for help. That's what was interesting. She she came up and then she went back down, and then she came back up again, and went back down, and we're all, nobody jumped in immediately. We're all sitting there like, huh? Like, can she not swim? We were kind of surprised because the water was deep, and we're like, why would somebody jump? From a, you know, I don't, I don't know how tall this cliff was. Uh, maybe a, a thirty foot, uh, cliff jump. Why would somebody jump, and not be able to swim? She did. And I, and so, she didn't have the ability to swim. She almost drowned if no one was around. So I admonish you to, learn the ability, to, effectively, communicate with yourself, with other people. Cognitive behavioral therapy is so effective. ACT is so effective. These are ways that you can mentally and emotionally learn how to swim. I want to thank you for tuning in. This, uh, this is another episode of Before You Kill Yourself. Uh, I forget, man. How I don't know why my brain is freezing right now. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, go to thrivewitleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Remember, this podcast is not a uh, is not a substitute for you going to get help. Or you calling the one eight hundred S U I C I D E or one eight hundred two seven three talk and all the other numbers listed in the show notes. I love you. I care about you. And let's get to tomorrow together.